How's everybody doing this week? Yeah? You guys are having a good week? Yeah? Uh, the weather's nice, right? It's a little hot. We'll survive. Um, uh, last week, we started a series called Faithful Still. And if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go uh, listen back to what we talked about last week. It was just basically the first chapter. I'm going to somehow magically make it through these next three. I'm going to have to skim a little bit, so don't be too upset with me. Um, you'll read it, you can go read it on your own. But uh, we started with the book of Ruth, and we, we've made it through the first, so we're going to go through the next three. The author of Ruth, if you don't know, is still, they're not totally sure who the author of Ruth is. Um, they think it's either Mordecai or Samuel, um, but there's not really evidence. that The only thing that they can say is that whoever wrote the book of Ruth also wrote the book of Esther. And I don't know if you guys remember the story that I kind of told last week is I used to do landscaping and remodeling and, and all of that years ago. And whenever I dealt with the clients um, after we signed on the dotted line, I would explain to them, look, I just want you to know I'm going to destroy your place, okay? I'm going to destroy your front, the front of your house. Everything is going to look really ugly, and you're going to be very disappointed after this first day. But I can tell you, I'm going to make it look really good when I put it all back together. And that's, I, I compared it to this book of Ruth, where the beginning looked pretty rough. Would you, wouldn't you guys agree that we're here, right? Um, Naomi um, had traveled with her husband, Elimelech, and her two sons, Malon, Malon and Kilion, and there was a famine that had happened in the, in the area of Bethlehem. And so they moved um, to Moab to get away from this famine to hopefully start for a better day. And the hard part was is they got there and uh, her two sons did happen to marry uh, Ruth and they also married uh, Orpah. Now, sometime during that time, Elimelech passed away which was her husband, and then also her two sons, if you guys remember, sick and tired, Malon and Kilion, they got tired of whatever was going on, and they passed, right? They went on, um, and so Naomi was left really um, with her two daughter-in-laws, and so they, they had heard that the famine was over in Bethlehem, and so they decided to move back to Bethlehem and hope for another better day, maybe, possibly, but not really sure, and Orpah decided to stay. Ruth clung to Naomi, and we kind of pick up here in the story uh, of Ruth. In Ruth 2, we're going to go to Ruth 2, verse 1. It says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain. After him, in whose sight I shall find favor, and she said to her, go, my daughter. Now, last week, I don't know if you also remember, in the 1800s, there was a saying called, God is in the details, right? Uh, the newer saying that changed in the 1960s was the devil is in the details. Has everybody kind of heard that term before, the devil's in the details? And we're sticking with the 1800s days and God, God is in the details. But what that insinuates is that to look for the details, to try and find things in your life and scripture uh, that you can find where God is in the details. And what I explained last week is that this whole story is a story within a story and a story that includes you and me 
uh, and also the Son of God. And so we're to look at this story and try to glean from it to see just different details along the way. And in this, this chapter, uh, chapter 2, the first detail I see was a pivot was made. Okay, a pivot was made. That's detail one. And if you remember, Naomi, do you guys remember Naomi changed her name because of what she was going through? She was tired of being called Naomi, which means pleasant and delightful, and she wanted to be called Mara, which means bitter. It's kind of a rough name change, like at least halfway, but she just went right to bitter, okay? Um, But she had a good reason. Wouldn't you agree? She had a good reason. Elimelech, her husband, had died, and her two sons had died all within 10 years. And so... Um, all she had left was her daughter-in-law, Ruth, and I guarantee you every time she looked at Ruth, she just pictured all of the loss that she had had over the, the last 10 years. And Naomi, in this moment, here uh, Ruth wants to go out to the field, and Naomi could have chose to, be, to stay bitter. Like she could have said, look, Ruth, you're not going to really do much out there. You're not really going to accomplish much. You, you just need to stay back here in the mully grubs with me, right? Everybody knows what the mully grubs are? If not, go look it up. Mully grubs, right? But stay here with the lights down. You're not going to be able to survive. Um, You're in a different land now. But instead, she blessed her, right? Um, We all have good reasons for being bitter, wouldn't you say? Have you guys ever been bitter before? Anybody bitter in here now? No? We're not going to talk about it? I get it. Um, But if, if whenever we get bitter, right, we have a really good reason. Whether that person hurt us whether they, uh, they did something wrong to us or the situation didn't play out how we had hoped or maybe we arrived at a situation where we had hoped that this was going to be an amazing day and it turned out to be a really dark day. And I think all of us can agree we all really have a good reason. But I can tell you um, I've been bitter a few times in my life and um, one of the things I've learned, because I haven't learned a whole lot of things in my life, but one of the things I've learned is that the best way to get over your bitterness is to get better, right? In order to, to stop being bitter, you have to get better. And what I mean by that is better than what you were, better than how you were during that time, better than what you've done things in the past, right? And the best way to become better instead of bitter is to bless, right? To bless. And I believe that that's what Naomi did in this situation. Instead of uh, staying in this place of bitterness, she began to bless her daughter-in-law. And she said, go, my daughter. And that probably was all the energy that she had. That was probably the only thing that she could say to muster up. The best thing she could say is, go, my daughter. And she could have called her just, go, Ruth or go with your bad self, or whatever. But she said, go, my daughter. She blessed her. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and blessing and cursing, and today she chose to bless. Verse 3, it says, So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech, reapers and gleaners. Everybody knows what that is, right? Uh, Reapers are the people that are the first ones to the field, right? They gather all the harvest. They're the main people uh, that take care of everything in the land, okay, as far as the the harvest goes. They're bringing all the crops. They're the ones that drive the combines, okay? Uh, But God had set it up in in a way with the people of Israel or or the people of Bethlehem where uh, they, they even allowed for people to come and glean, which means just to collect 
the leftovers. Maybe they were people that were misfortunate. Maybe they were people that were foreign. Maybe they were people that weren't from the land, but God had set it up in the way where the people of God allowed those people to come in and take advantage of the leftovers, right? So when they arrived to Judah, Ruth began to glean in Boaz's field. Boaz was a distant relative of Ruth's husband, and Ruth started to collect leftover barley, which was on the ground after harvesting. Now that word barley, it's interesting. I'll come back to it here in a second. But um, verse 4, we pick up in verse 4. It says, And behold, Boaz came to Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Right? Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this, right? Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, so he, now, now he's talking directly to her. He says, now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to the young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? So he encouraged all the, the other men that were working in the fields to stay away from her. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? All right, so the second detail I see is Boaz shows Ruth favor. King James Version, uh, I don't think I have it written down, but maybe I do, but it says, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me seeing I am a stranger. So this word favor and grace, most of us know it, and it is uh, used throughout scripture kind of synonymously. If you were to look it up, they both mean very similar things. Uh, most of us know grace as, uh, in the Greek, it's charis, right? Which means favor and all of those things. Um, but most people don't know it in the Hebrew, which it has the same C-H-A root word, but it means kanon right, Canaan, which means gracious, it means pleasant, and it means precious, right? The word Canaan in the literal, I think this is in your notes, and, and the literal means to show kindness to an inferior and to be compassionate. So my question today is why would Boaz be compassionate, right? Why would he show kindness to a stranger, right? To a person who is who in his culture would be considered less than. Something you may not know about Boaz um, is he had unusual parents. And by unusual, his parents, their names were salmon, similar to the fish, right? Everybody knows what salmon is, King Salmon. It's some of the best, all right? If you don't know, salmon. And then his mother's name was Rahab, okay? And to give you a little history lesson on Rahab, Rahab was a harlot, does everybody know what a harlot is? A prostitute of the day, right? And she was a Canaanite woman, okay? She was in the same time frame of Joshua and uh, the walls falling down at Jericho, all of the battle and all those things. Well, the 10 spies, I don't know if you know the story, but the 10 spies were running for their lives during this time and she allowed them to come into her home and she hid them under barley, right? It's interesting that, here Ruth is out in the field as a foreigner, um, 
reaping the barley, okay, or, or gleaning the barley, and here Rahab is also hiding these 10 spies under the barley, okay? She also lets them, she gets them out of the house uh, by letting them down a red rope, very specific, right? You ever get to read the, I believe it's the Scarlet Thread book, it's a phenomenal book, talks about this whole scenario, and one day I'm going to do a series on this whole thing because I think it's fascinating, but um, so she lets these men get out. They, then Salmon, okay, the, the husband, uh, he wasn't the husband at the time, he proposes to Rahab to marry her. It also kind of brought her in disguise so that she uh, didn't suffer any type of uh, hard times during that time from all these soldiers that were running around and all this other stuff. So he marries her, and, he, and she was a foreigner, okay? And it, it, uh, she adopted the Jewish culture, and so, and, and really, if you think about it, uh, he had to overlook her promiscuous life, right? Like she had obviously a promiscuous life, a shameful life of the time, especially of the people of Israel, right? Um, and yet she, she um, inherited this godlike um, belief system, which was the Jewish system. So if anybody knew if anybody knew how to show kindness to people, it was Boaz. Like he literally had compassion built into his DNA by both of his parents. And I'm sure every time his parents told the story, they were telling those same stories over and over again to their young boy. So here, here Boaz is, is introduced to a situation to where he shows God's compassion, right? Remember I said God is in the details, Matthew 1, 4 through 5 it says, and to Ram was born Amimadab, that's a wild name, and to Amimadab, Nashon, and to Nashon, Salmon, and to Salmon was born Boaz by Rahab, right? Think of that, y'all, like a harlot, a prostitute was mentioned in the lineage of Jesus, right? In the book of Matthew. Ruth was also mentioned, Okay, she was also mentioned. She's also one of, Ruth is one of the only people that was uh, not of the Jewish culture that was mentioned in the Old Testament as well. Why would Boaz show compassion? Boaz had compassion and kindness built into his genetics. The third detail I can see is Ruth says, I'm foreign, right? She says, I'm foreign. Ruth felt inferior because she was a Moabite and, re, and felt the need to remind Boaz, hey, I'm not of your culture. I'm not of your town. I don't believe the same things you do. And what's interesting is most believers, I compare it to most believers, uh, when, when we address God, sometimes we want to tell God everything that we've done, right? Like, God, I don't know if I can talk to you about this because I've done this, this, and this. I don't know if I deserve uh, this placement with you because of my history. But one thing I can tell you is God is more concerned about you knowing his story than you telling him about your history. He's not as concerned about our history. He wants you to know his story. Um, and I love the response that Boaz gives, right? Verse 12, it says, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for, your, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. The fourth detail I see is that Boaz gave a quick response. Okay, he gave a quick response. 
The name Boaz actually means swiftness. In Hebrew, it means swiftness, right? And Ruth asked, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Boaz had the right to curse her. Right? He had the right to say, you're right, I didn't realize that. You are from a different area, yet you don't line up with what, what I line up with. But instead, he gave a quick response. Okay? He showed one of God's main attributes, which is generosity. Okay? He, he showed her generosity, and everybody knows Boaz is a type of Christ. And we, at one point, were all foreigners to God, but God, in his generosity, sent his son as a sacrifice that we would be united to him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we might become, the King James Version says, the very, but the righteousness of God through our union with him. He paid a debt that we, that he didn't owe, and we got a reward that we didn't deserve. Right? He took the punishment for what we deserved. When we ask God, why have I found favor? God gives a quick response. He gives a quick response. I don't think my friend Justin is here. He might be watching online if he is. Um, I have a friend, it's shocking, right? I have a friend. Um, but I have a friend um, named Justin. It's from Ohio. We kn we've known him for probably 20 years. Ruthie's known him most of her life. Um, I think they picked on each other in the pool. Am I right? Yeah. Um, Justin, uh, he's a pastor. I think he's got four or five churches up there that he's helped to plant in Ohio. But um, great friend. He's a better friend than I ever was to him. I'm so super thankful. He's been there through some tough times, helped us as a church through some different times. Um, but a great guy. And we used to work together. I told you guys how we, we, we did real estate and we flipped houses and, and all of this stuff. And Justin... Um, worked right alongside with me, and we had the same boss, okay? We had the same boss, and uh, what we were doing one of these days that we were all together is we were touring the properties to make sure everything that was done at the properties that we were supposed to. And I, it was my job to make sure that the crew that I had was doing all the right things and cleaning up the properties like they should. And one of the properties we drove by, uh, my crew had taken a refrigerator, I don't know if it had some nasty stuff in it, but they just threw it out in the driveway, okay? And they left it there. And in, on this tour, um, we saw that they had um, this refrigerator out there. And our boss looked at me and said, hey, Matthew, can you make sure to take care of that refrigerator? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take care of it, right? And so a week went by. We were having a, a meeting, and we were talking about it. And then he, all of a sudden, we came up to that property, and our boss said, hey, Matt, did you take care of that refrigerator? I was like, oh, no, I forgot. So I wrote it down right? That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to write it down. And so I wrote it down. I'm like, I'm sure I'll remember. And I forgot again. Okay. So I think third weekend, third weekend, the same boss looks at me and he gets to this same property. And he goes, Hey, Matt, did you take care of the refrigerator? Right. And I'm like, Oh shoot. That's the question that I knew he was going to ask. And I forgot again, or I got busy or whatever it was. And my buddy, Justin looks up and he said, uh, I told him not to right? Which wasn't true. It wasn't a true statement. He lied. Yes, <laughs> he did. But what was hilarious and tough at the same time is he then got reamed out for about 15 minutes for it, right? Which, I mean, maybe I should have gotten it, right? I should have gotten reamed out because it was third weekend. I hadn't got the refrigerator out. And the whole time my buddy just sat there and looked at me, right? Like, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he kind of smiled and just took it. And no joke, for probably three months after that, every time we had a meeting and we got to that property, the same thing would happen. He'd get a five-minute ridicule for not removing the refrigerator when it was my fault, right? And I mean, my level of respect went way up for him, um, and I definitely owed him a lot of things in my life. But what I can tell you is he took the punishment that I deserved, and that is the same way with Jesus. He took the punishment, right? He took the, the, the thing that we owed, and he took it away so that we could live a life of freedom that we do. I'm going to skip some of these verses because, honestly, I would love to, love to be able to read it all, but I can't. So we're going to skip up to verse 19. But right in that section, right, Boaz had, was really generous. He had given Ruth a bunch of food, right, and sent her home with a doggy bag. And she was really excited about it, Okay. Um, Verse 19, it says, And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man, because she she was obviously seeing that uh, she had a doggy bag, took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living and the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is close, a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Now, everybody kind of know. I don't know if you guys have heard the kinsman redeemer, right? Uh, basically, uh, they had, uh, in the olden days, they had this cultural tradition that um, whenever somebody was about to get married, the whole family would really pay attention, okay? Uh, with good reason, because if that man died, that son died, the other son, one of the other sons would inherit his wife, okay, would have to marry his wife. So he made sure with good reason, like, hey, this is a good person, right? Uh, you know, she's a nice person, right? She's going to take good care. And, and so he always, they always paid attention to those things because you might inherit someone's wife one day, okay? That's kind of a rough life. I'm glad that that tradition is over. But you also had to, because I can barely take care of one anyways, but, <laughs> but you would also inherit their children and um, their land and any responsibilities, you would inherit those if you decided to do that, okay? And so here this tradition was going on, they're kind of explaining the different things about it. Um, it was thought to perpetuate the line through a woman, right? The kinsman redeemer is a person acting on behalf of the relative who is in trouble, Okay. So the fifth detail I see is Naomi was bitter no more, okay? She had literally taken her name back, which meant pleasant and delightful, um, because here Naomi had an opportunity to tell Ruth, well, like, you know you're not really from around here, right? You know, like, you're probably not going to be accepted. You need to be kind of careful of who you're talking to. Uh, But she took her name back by delighting with Ruth, And have you ever felt that way, like you've looked around and you've seen other people getting things that you wish you had? Anybody ever been like that? Maybe uh, you saw somebody get a promotion at work, or maybe you saw somebody get a new job, or a new car, or maybe a new spouse, or whatever. Maybe they got a new dog, okay? And you're like, man, I wish I had that dog. Not me. But um, another way to get better, and I know I told you the first way, Uh, to get better. But another way to get better is to rejoice. Okay, to rejoice. Romans 12, 15, 
It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice, right? Um, my wife used to have a client um, out in Arizona when she did hair out there. We were in our early 20s. And this client was pretty well off. Um, she, they actually invited us over. They did something for the government. I don't know what it was. They, they, they never told us it was top secret or whatever, right? But because they gave their lives, both of them, they seemed like spies, okay? I really don't know. But whatever it was, they got paid really well for it, okay? And so they invited us. We were supposed to go have steak. They said, hey, just pop in the house real quick, um, and then we'll go from there to go get steak, right? I was super stoked. I'm like, steak, it's like 6 o'clock. Let's do this. So we get to these people's house, and they started to uh, give us a tour of the house, right? Have you ever been given a tour of someone's house? It's fine, right? I enjoy going on tours and people's homes. Um, but this tour was a little bit long. It was a two-hour tour, okay? <laughs> to, I mean, like, we're looking at the toilet paper holder. We're looking, I mean, if, if you know me, I kind of glazed over after the first 45 minutes. Like, okay, we're doing this thing. But I honestly, I honestly, Ruthie and I, we just, we rejoiced with them. Like, we were just like, wow, this is crazy. You know, get into like his 12th car, like he has a Cobra and all these other cars. This is amazing. You want to start it? Yeah, I'll start it. Wow, right? And we didn't walk away from that other than the fact that I was upset about being hungry for two more hours. But we didn't walk away thinking, man, I can't believe those people. They're just ridiculous. They're so into themselves. They were super nice people. And we had a blast the whole time. But part of that was because we rejoiced along the way with other people. I want to skip up to Ruth 3. Ruth 3. It says in the first verse, Ruth 3.1, it says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you, is Boaz our relative with whose young women you, you were? See, he is, a, he, he is winnowing barley tonight. Uh, I would love to explain all of these things, but you'll just have to go figure, out, figure it out for yourself. Winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. Basically, she's telling her to put some paint on the barn. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. This is verse 5. And she replied, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap grain. Then she came softly and covered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, which anybody would be startled at this point. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So this is culturally accepted. This is a part of their culture. It might not make sense to us, right? This is 3,000, roughly 3,000 years ago, okay? Imagine if they were looking to now where there's all these dating apps and there's eHarmony and there's Tinder and there's, I don't know if you know, farmers only, right? There's actually a commercial. It says you never get lonely with farmers only, okay? I imagine they would think that was kind of weird. They would think that's kind of weird, just like we think this is kind of weird, this scene, right? This is their own version of farmers only, okay? So it says, on Naomi's instruction, Ruth sat near Boaz on the threshing floor during the harvest, and she asked him to marry her. 
okay? He was the closest kin to her husband. Verse 10, we're gonna pick up on verse 10. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you're a worthy woman. The sixth detail I see is that Boaz declared her worthy. Okay, he declared her worthy, right? He considered Ruth to be worthy. Jesus considers us to be worthy, right? He considered you and I to be worthy, worthy of going to the cross. God considered that. He sent his son. Let's say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse, verse 17, it says that he sent on his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the whole world might be saved through him, right? He considered you and I worthy. He considers us worthy now. This is the last verse I'm gonna read in here, but it says, uh, verse 18, uh, Ruth 318, it says, she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. The, the seventh detail I see is that she gathered, she sat, and she waited, right? She gleaned and gathered, she sat, and she waited. That's all she did, right? It reminds me of the story of Martha and Mary. Everybody remembers that story, right? where I believe it was Martha that was busying herself to please Jesus, right? Like Jesus was at the house. She's trying to prepare and do all sorts of things and clean and dust and fix the rug, right? Fix the TV, whatever they had back then. I'm sure it wasn't a TV. But she's busying herself. Meanwhile, Mary's at the feet of Jesus, just like Ruth, at the feet. And she's just admiring and Mary was the one that received favor, right? That got the notice of Jesus. And Jesus still noticed the other one, but said, hey, you need to stop doing what you're doing. And I think so many times, like when we're frustrated and we find things that we're trying to, man, we got to make this happen and this didn't go this way. And so I got to make this deal go this way. And man, I, my life played out really weird right now. And so I got to fix it. I got to do all these things. And I just want you to know, like these people that found favor, they just sat. They just sat and they rested and they stopped doing things. Amen? You guys hanging in there? I'm going to close with a story. Um, so close your Bibles. If you got your Bibles, nobody has your Bibles. Good. It's on the screen, right? Modern day, right? I know some people have their Bibles. I like it. If your Bible's glowing, it's just as spiritual as an actual Bible. Amen? Um, but I have a story I'm going to read. It's the kid's story of Ruthie, okay, of Ruth. And it's called, if you want to get it, it's called I Love Ruthie. I might be getting bonus points today. I don't know, right? But it's called I Love Ruthie, and it's just the kid's version. It's just going to take just five minutes or so, so just hang in there. I'm going to read it to you. But it says... It can't be true, I can't go on. This is obviously a rhyme, just so you know. Oh, everything we had is gone. Naomi wept, poor Ruthie cried. Naomi's precious sons had died. And oh, one precious, priceless son, Naomi's son, that very one, was Ruthie's husband. Lord above, her one and only, 
one true love. Now, sometimes when it rains, it pours, and this time it would pour for sure. For evil people rule the land as evil people sometimes can, and sometimes will, and sometimes do, when you and I allow them to. For here to there, from there to here, the food began to disappear. It filled the people full of fear, yes, full of fear from ear to ear. Orpah, Ruth, Naomi cried, the time has come, we must decide. We have to leave, we cannot stay, we cannot stay, not now, no way. From north to south, from west to east, the men are gone, extinct, deceased. Without a man, Naomi said, we're all about as good as dead. Now, ladies, things were different then, so don't get too upset, amen? But just look at me, I'm old and wrinkled, sagged and bagged, crooked and crinkled, crumpled, puckered, nooked and crannied, rip van winkled, grayed and grannied. Oh, there's just no hope in sight to find another Mr. Right or even just a Daffy Duck and Elmer Fudd or Mr. Yuck. The time has come, the time is now, the time has come right now and how. You must return, you must, I say, return back home right now today. Naomi prayed that they would bite and Orpah knew that she was right. She packed her bags without a fight and left for home that very night. But oh, not Ruth, not her, no way. She had a thing or two to say, I can't return, I want to stay, I will not go right now today. For where you are is where I'll be, and when you stay, you'll stay with me. And when you die, I'll die with you, and that is what I'm going to do. Your God will be my God, and he will surely care for you and me. Oh, what a thing for Ruth to say, that kind of thing can make you make your day, make you shout, hip hip hooray, they hugged and kissed, then, then packed up tight and left for Bethlehem that night. Naomi, is it really true? What happened, girl? Just look at you. Your hair, your clothes, your shoes, your toes, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your nose. You're looking pale. You're looking thin. In fact, if we may say again, you're really looking more akin to something that the cat dragged in. Well, things look bad the way things can, but listen now, God had a plan. Oh, Naomi, please don't cry. Oh, please don't cry. I'll tell you why. I'll find a farm. I'll be, I'll be real nice. I'll ask them once or maybe twice to take our jugs and jars and sacks and fill them full of treats and snacks. Yes, crumbs and morsels, flakes and flecks, leftover kernels, crumbs and specks, a black banana, bagels, locks, some cheese stuck to a pizza box, I'll beg and plead, I'll sob and bleat, I'll ask them for a tasty treat. An itsy, bitsy, teeny weeny, tiny scrap for us to eat. So off she went, she did her thing. She did it never noticing that someone had been fastening his bulging eyes on everything. Who is that girl out in my field? And what's she doing, Boaz squealed. Look at that hair, look at those eyes. Excuse me just one minute, guys. I've got to go and socialize. No, Boaz wasn't one to miss an opportunity like this. He shaved his toes. He licked his lips. He checked his teeth for cracks and chips. He combed the bugs out of his hair. Yes, Don Juan, double debonair, was saver, fair, extraordinaire. Now, don't be quick to judge, amen. Well, don't think what you're thinking then, for Boaz was a gentleman. 
Please stay with us, take what you need, take what you need and more indeed. He looked up at Ruthie's sacks and jugs and jars with treats and snacks. Yes, it was true love at first sight, a double thumping heart delight. He headed home, oh, what he'd found. Her world was turning upside down. She ran the whole way back to town, about 10 feet above the ground. I'm telling you, tonight's the night. Naomi grinned. If I'm right, there's only one thing left to do to get that man to say, I do. That's what they all say. So, do they did, oh, did they do? They fulfilled and puffed, they crimped and curled. They powdered, sweet, perfumed, and pearled. They thanked the Lord they sang his praise, they marveled at his wondrous ways. And off she went into the night to have and hold her Mr. Right, her Mr. Shining Armored Knight, her straight from heaven sent delight. Now, as I'm sure that you supposed, Boaz said yes when Ruth proposed. Yes, Ruth proposed. That's what I said, just look it up, go right ahead. <laughs> they tied the knot and lived to be quite hap happy ever after Lee. And soon God blessed them with a son, a precious little baby one. But wait, the story's far from done because their son, he was the one who had a son who had a kid known as King David. Yes, he did. And David was a great, 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 great times three times one plus eight, great granddad of a man whose wife you've probably heard all your life. A man whose son, to be precise, was Jesus. No, yes, Jesus Christ. Just take a second, think it through, oh, what God will go and do. For God is love, and love is kind, the kindest that you'll ever find, the kindest that you'll ever see, that's something else. Don't you agree? Why don't you guys just close your eyes. Father, we just thank you, God, for showing us your love this week, God. We thank you, God, that things might look dark in our situation, but I know that you have a plan. I know that there's hope in this. I know that we get to delight and rejoice when we see others getting what they need because we know, God, that you take care of all of our needs. We trust you, God, this week. We trust you with who you are. We trust, we trust you that you speak to us, that you give us wisdom. God, if there's anybody that's in here that doesn't have hope this morning, God, I ask that you give them hope. I ask that you give them life. I ask that you give them freedom, that you've called us worthy, God, that you are faithful still whether we're seeing all of the good things in our life that we want, God, I know that you have a plan and we trust you this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen.